This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. but Michael Stone back in the lineup back on the score sheet when the Calgary Flames need him and as you heard from Derek there the Stanley Dome goes nuts the Flames come from behind once again overcome a multi-goal deficit to pick up a key two points and continue to keep their Western Conference playoff hopes alive, this time with a win over the Anaheim Ducks. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. Happy Monday. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Lots to get to on the show today. We'll chat all things Calgary Flames with Peter Labardius in just moments. Also, uh, very excited to be joined by former Flame Kevin Westgarth in Hour 1. Now the NHL's VP of Hockey Development and part of strategic collaboration for the NCAA's Frozen Four. We'll chat with Kevin about a variety of topics, plus get his thoughts on uh, the current iteration of the Calgary Flames and being a former member of the team himself. So we'll dive into lots of that. We'll also dive into a bit about the NCAA side of things. Kevin knows plenty of that, and it might relate to uh, one very popular Calgary Flames player right now and Matt Coronado. Get his thoughts on all of that and more. We'll also talk about the Flames' goaltending situation going forward with a back-to-back coming up against Chicago and Winnipeg. Plus, uh, the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitman will join us a little bit later on in Hour 2. Playoff hockey back at the Scotiabank Dome tonight for the Calgary Hitman, who split a weekend set against the Red Deer Rebels and come back for Game 3 on Dome ice with the series tied at 1. So you don't want to miss a little bit of a playoff preview uh, with Brad Crow coming up a little bit later on today. Well, let's kick it off like we always do. Head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Say hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. He is Peter Labardius, and he is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovations, so well, they should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. They're now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, pal? I am really good. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, appreciate the time, as always. Uh, big win last night for the Calgary Flames. I know our pals at uh, Sportsnet Stats had it out there last night. 75 games for the Calgary Flames without uh, comeback wins, and now two in a row for them and four wins in a row. What did you make of last night's effort at the Scotiabank Saddle, though? Well, I mean, it was it was up and down. I didn't like how it started. Um, but the most important clip 
any player reaction I heard came on our pre-game show from Michael Backlund. And it was about the celebration that was playoff-like after they did it for the first time, trailing going into the third and found a way to win a game in Vancouver. And everything, I think, in so many different ways is belief and confidence. And I think this team, whether it's collectively, individually, has had a difficult time this year. We all know that. That's well documented. That's statistically, analytically, any way you want to slice or dice it. So there they find themselves, whether your opinion is they shouldn't have been in that spot in the first place or not and how they got there. The two similarities, Logan, were this. They came into the third in both games a goal down and did exactly what they needed to do to win a hockey game. They dominated the third period. They never got away from it. Last night, they really gave up absolutely nothing. The best chance that Anaheim had, I thought, in the whole third may have come as the time was wrapping up on a near-in opportunity with the net empty from Ryan Strom that ended the game. Other than that, nothing. Zero. So they put a great period on the table. They put themselves in a position where that would really matter. And for a second straight game, they operated like a team that was prepared to do what it required in order to get a very important two points of the race. And there's nothing more for me that matters more than this team taking every opportunity it gets to cling on to something that's really positive, that provides belief and confidence. And I think we ended up with two of those very situations on the weekend. How important in your mind was it, Lou, for some depth members of this team to provide some scoring last night? Zadorov, Lucic, Stone are the guys that I'm, I'm thinking of up and down the lineup that, you know, we don't count on to score every night, but in a key game like last night, stepped up when the team needed it most. Well, I always like it, and I like it because, you know, at the start of the year, I really believe that, you know, this group, especially down the middle and potentially on defense, although that didn't really play itself out, and Oliver Shillington's year-long absence has a lot to do with that, in my opinion. Yes. And in games like last night, I always find, Logan, that what I like to call the workers in some of those games against those kind of opponents often have big impacts because they don't get as, you know, involved, I think, sometimes in maybe some of the frustration that can come from some of your top guys when it's not going quite as well as they would like. So their work is good. It's it's obviously really important. But it's still for this team, you know, when I think about what has made it difficult, I don't think about not getting enough from their depth. In fact, if you take a look down the lineup, whether it's, you know, Trevor Lewis is nine or, you know, where you want to go, and the amount of, you know, 10-goal guys or more, 
depth scoring hasn't been a huge problem for me. Pop scoring has been more of an issue for me. One of those depth guys who came back in the lineup, it might be the definition of a depth guy, Lou. It's Michael Stone. Uh, we heard his goal call coming in there from Derek. Um, I, I don't know what else to say about him. We've talked about him lots in different spurts, it seems like, when he's in the lineup. But that ability and the the concentration, the will for him to, to have missed you know almost 20 games, Lou, and then come back in and look like he hasn't missed a beat is something that just can't be spoken about enough for Michael Stone and his ability to be that guy for the Flames. He's a professional, and he's been through it all. It wasn't very long ago, Logan, that he almost didn't have a place to play in the NHL. Yeah. He was toiling in the bubble season for the majority of it with, you know, the Calgary Wranglers then the Stockton Heat playing in Calgary. So he has just always been prepared to do whatever it takes. And, you know, when his career comes to an end, it will be pros pro prepared to do whatever role, however many minutes and give you professional minutes more often than not. That's him. And those people are very, very valuable. And they're also very, very hard to find. So, yes, we're talking about him today because he scored the game winner. And, you know, he'd be the first to tell you, you know, I certainly saw some rust early on. But professional people who have enough experience to really understand who and what they are and what they have to do to be successful, that's the key. So the work is good. The understanding of who and what you are is really good. And you do your best to put, you know, Glenn Gullitson, when he was here as the head coach, had, it seems like all coaches, you know, including Daryl, have things that always resonate. And Glenn used to talk about, what's on the back of the player card and and more often than not do you play to what's on your card well michael stone's card is pretty clear and he usually absolutely lives up to what's on the card yeah he was great last night uh, formed a pairing with uh, troy stetcher taking dennis gilbert out of the lineup uh, finished with 1341 of ice time uh, of course, the big goal late in this one. Two shots on goal. Just one giveaway on the night for Michael Stone. What about his uh, his partner there, Lou? Troy Stetcher. I know you chatted about uh, him with the morning show today, but he's just been uh, you know, capped off one heck of a weekend. A great performance in Vancouver. Another multi-point effort for him last night. He's fit into this team very, very well since coming over from Arizona. Very well. And there are a lot of similarities between those two guys. Troy Stetcher is a hockey player through and through. And he has always had to play as even Ryan Huska talked about last night, in the post game show with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. His path has not always been easy. And more often than not, he finds himself in a situation where he comes into a lot of seasons in recent years looking for a job 
but he always finds one. And he always gives whatever team he plays for value, just like Michael Stone. And his awareness of a lot of things in the game on and off the ice comes shining through. He really likes hockey. And I know that based on things that he and I have talked about that just aren't about what happens on a day-to-day basis. So he's a pro, and he plays really, really hard, and you never have to question that. He told me early in the process here that, you know, he enjoyed his time in Arizona. He just felt like the way the Flames ask their defense to play probably suits him and his style and his game better. And you could see it very early in the game, whether it was his uh, run back of a spinorama that helped (laughs) Canada win a world championship in 2021, or the way he saw the ice, made plays, wins battles, moved over to the other side of the ice as a right-handed guy who's been playing on the right side. Then with Michael's return, another right-handed shot moved over and did an excellent job. So those are the kind of efforts you're really looking for that pair to give you 12 to 14 good minutes. You'd love that. That's when this team is generally quite successful in a lot of ways, not always, but it's very helpful because it can limit the minutes of the others. The opponent was set up for that to happen. And thanks to both Stone and Stetcher, that was performed and performed very well. Pete Labardius along with us, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Joining us every single day to kick off the program, courtesy of our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Uh, Lou, how important is this game looming on Tuesday become for the Calgary Flames now uh, as Winnipeg will be idle until the two teams meet up on Wednesday? I don't know if it's really, it's different. You create a bit of a different opportunity, right? That's the difference. All these games have been important and they've all felt been very important for weeks and months. So yes, what this one does is it gives you a potential opportunity to take more ownership in your own plight. So you can win the game and enter the game in Winnipeg with an opportunity to win a game. And even though they will have a game in hand, you will go in even with an opportunity to actually find yourself very late in the race, have them chase you for the first time instead of the other way around. So that's the importance, and it's not really about the importance. Logan, for me, it's about the opportunity. In what way? In what way? Just what I explained. Because if you lose tomorrow, now you're chasing regardless. Yeah. That can just get you to even. You win tomorrow and then win on Wednesday, you could go up by two points and have them chase you. That's where I see the difference. 
Lots of talk uh, going into last night's post-game show, Lou, and in continuing today about the Flames' goaltending situation now. Jacob Markstrom did get the start, allowed two goals on nine shots and was replaced by Dan Vladar for the final 40 minutes. How do you feel about the Flames' goaltending situation heading into these next two games? How would you uh, handle it when it comes to who gets the start Tuesday and Wednesday? Well, I think I'd handle it the way the coaches potentially will handle it, and that's by sticking to the plan. And I truly believe when Jacob got the call last night, the plan was Jacob last night, Ladar Tuesday, and needless to say, in what's going to be the biggest game of your season, regardless of what happens on Tuesday. That's why I talk about the opportunity. You know, the big one is really Wednesday in a lot of different ways. It'll be Markstrom. So I'm going to guess, and it's a guess, but I think that would have been the plan going into a three of four. And as I talked about with Pat last night and Derek pre and post, these are two games for me that, yes, I understand why we're talking about the goaltending. And as Daryl reiterated, after the game, you heard it with your own two ears. Actually, I never did hear it, but I saw it. The change was made to give his group a spark as much as anything. Mm -hmm. Now, I've had two conversations today with people who said to me, and they're, they're very fair, don't you think the team should have been able to see the fatigue? Maybe even coming out of the Vancouver game. Well, me it's not you know there's a lot of talk about utilization and physical fatigue right and I'm not going to discount that I don't think for Jacob at times it's about physical fatigue I think it's about mental fatigue and the pressure of constantly being in these games where you're always in one goal games where it feels like every shot and every chance is so magnified. I think that's what weighs heavily. Far more heavily than in some cases the actual physical workload. Yeah, so something to be said about that, two weeks of must win games already, hey? How about how about a whole season of them? Yeah. Has it ever really been completely comfortable for him? No. At any point? No. No chance. No chance. It's been a whole season of, you know, really, I'm going to guess in his mind, getting back to where he feels he wants to be and should be. That, to me, I think in his case is a way bigger story than an extra game here or there physically. But that's just my take. We'll get a better idea tomorrow uh, when the team takes to the ice for morning skate. They had a recovery day today, uh, but now set for two big games. Tuesday at home against Chicago, Wednesday in Winnipeg. Lou, appreciate the time as always, sir. Have yourself a great afternoon. We'll chat with you tomorrow, eh? Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. He joins us every single day to kick off the program, and he does so courtesy of our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Gemini Group knows your home renovations. Well, they should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at the Gemini Group. 
www.calgaryflames.ca. We'll chat with former Calgary Flame and now NHL VP. VP, really? Kevin Westgarth, VP of Hockey Development and Strategic Collaboration on the NCAA's final uh, Frozen Four. Excuse me. Uh, he'll join us next around the corner to chat some college hockey, chat a little bit of Calgary Flames, and even a guy that's got some experience uh, with Daryl Sutter behind the bench. We'll chat with uh, former Flame Kevin Westgarth next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, hour one rolls on. Sportsnet Today, Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor in the other room. Big win last night for the Calgary Flames. 5-4 over the Anaheim Ducks. Needed to keep pace after a Winnipeg Jets win over the New Jersey Devils. 6-1 your final score in Winnipeg Sunday night. Now Winnipeg idle until they welcome in the Calgary Flames Wednesday. Calgary, however, has a game coming up on Tuesday, of course, against the Chicago Blackhawks. So the Flames, with an opportunity now, heading into that game Wednesday to be tied in points with the Winnipeg Jets. They would, of course, then be up one game on Winnipeg, so... The math uh, still in Winnipeg's favor, but the Flames doing everything they can to get there. Two back-to-back, uh, or two comeback wins on the season, I should say now. Wasn't pretty last night against Anaheim. You would love for them to not find themselves down 2 nothing, having to switch out goaltenders, but nobody really at this point asking how it got done as long as the result ended up in two points for the Calgary Flames. I think this group is happy with where they are. Their first four-game winning streak of the season coming really at the most important time of the year. Uh, Very excited to go down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline, switch the conversation over a little bit, uh, welcoming in former member of the Calgary Flames, uh, NHL alumni, and now VP, NHL VP, uh, of hockey development and strate- uh, strategic collaboration for the NCAA's uh, Final Four. Kevin Westgarth giving us some time this afternoon uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Kevin, thanks so much for the time today, man. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks. Yeah, great to be on with you today. Uh, appreciate the time. Uh, Kevin, you finished your playing career back in 2014-2015, uh, playing a year in Belfast. Uh, how did you go from pro hockey to this role uh, that you've got now with the NHL, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, I, I, I was uh, lucky enough, one lucky few, to be able to play uh, play in the NHL and you know, professionally at all, um, and was able to really get involved as a member of the Players Association. So when collective bargaining uh, kind of came up in 2012, got very involved on the players' union side and kind of got to learn a lot about the, the business, a lot of the ins and outs of how this uh the business of hockey works and kind of got to meet a lot of people from the PA leadership, other players to the NHL leadership and owners. And, um, yeah, was uh, fortunate enough to get a gig, uh, reporting the deputy commissioner here and yeah, able to stay in the game and, you know, like the old cliche, give back to a game that has given me so much and hopefully make the world a little bit better for this next generation of players coming up through our, uh, you know, development pathway, uh, to the NHL. So, 
that's really what I get to do day to day anymore. And you know, they played from junior hockey, minor pro, but uh, today with the Frozen Four coming up, talking about college hockey. Yeah, and it's something you know well. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Frozen Four starting up on Thursday at Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. Championship game on Saturday. What was it like for you uh, when it, you came to transitioning from college hockey to the pro level, Kevin? What was it that you found the most difficult part of that transition? Well, perhaps it's a little more unique, but I had to I had to polish off the, the mitts a little bit and make sure <laughs> my foot could get in the door, uh, protecting my teammates and dropping the gloves a little bit, which um, didn't get didn't do in college a whole lot, but. Uh, for me, it was it was awesome, obviously, to be able to continue the education. I was always I wasn't very good at kind of 16, 17 years old anyway, so major junior wasn't much of an option anyway. Um, but yeah, I was able to you know do some some great development on and off the ice. I met my wife at a degree, and uh, yeah, some lifelong friends in college. So it's definitely something that I, I find is you know, I wouldn't trade those four years for anything, and to be able to kind of um, parlay that into both a career on the ice in the NHL and now off the ice is, is a pretty special thing. With your role now, Kevin, I'm curious how you see the difference in college hockey and the transition that young players have to make and how different it is maybe from when you made that transition. Is it drastically different in your mind or is it a pretty similar process that you went through? I think it's pretty, I was, I was pretty fortunate. I really only ended up uh, talking to the one school, um, which was Princeton. Um, it kind of made my junior team very soon after asked to apply from one of the assistant coaches who was coming to see my brother who had seen the year before all these, uh, you know, fun um, kind of uh, karmic or kind of coincidental things that happened to get us on the path that we walk. Um, but I, I'd say it's you know pretty similar. I, I dare say you know there's um, the the trend across youth youth sports is like you know earlier specialization and earlier path to elite. So kind of feeling bad that some of the kids have to go through some of that stuff and dealing with the pressures, but also in a much better spot with uh, yeah being able to uh, you know talk about it, have resources. I seen felt a very significant change in like coaching. Um, around over the last you know, 15 to 20 uh, years so you know top to bottom it's 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 amazing and, and the the um, NCA college hockey is just providing a great pathway it's been it's actually becoming more international like including Canadian players in that like myself mm. uh, over the last few years obviously continuing to send kind of more and more players to the NHL and just really demonstrating it is a great pathway and which is what I love is there's a lot of great options for kids. Obviously, um, you know, in Calgary, I, uh, you know, caught some, uh, some hit by game and a lot of WHL history there with great players coming to that league and well, as well. But, uh, yeah, pretty cool to see some of the guys that will be playing this weekend from uh, Adam Fantilli, who's, uh, you know, a good Canadian. Big fan as an Ontario guy, good <laughs> Ontario boy, yeah. um, being on the Calgary radio station, but uh, – <laughs> Lots of exciting things. Uh, lots of exciting things for uh, to pick up on this tournament with uh, those numbers going up and some good players coming up uh, into the NHL. It looks like. Uh, and we've talked about it a lot here in in Calgary over the last couple of weeks, Kevin, because of uh, Matthew Coronado coming over uh, from Harvard University and, and his transition to you know pro hockey from the college ranks and. A lot of the conversations that has come up is, like you mentioned there, the different paths that kids have 
nowadays when it comes to their hockey future. I, I guess the one thing I'd be curious from your perspective is maybe not the differences, but I guess the, the challenges that come between choosing between an NCAA career or a major junior career. Are there benefits in uh, like a pro and con list for both sides of that nowadays now that you know the NCAA, like you mentioned, can produce top-level guys? It's not so much a question of you have to go the major junior route to find your way to the NHL anymore. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it, it's in in some way, I think they've been able to essentially learn from each other's strengths. I inevitably would like to see a lot more collaborative approach, but there's only so many great hockey players. We see it at the NHL level. Everybody wants the good players on their team, so certainly understand it um, on the pathway kind of um, on the way to the NHL as well. But that is a nice thing is, you know, the, the CHL leagues, and the dub and the OHL and the QMJHL have all added a lot of, uh, you know, support on the kind of scholastic side with the scholastic side with scholarships and tutors. And then just to see again, that hockey side with, um, yeah, D one college in the States is, is just, uh, I mean, both of the last, uh, Norris winners and Kel McCarr and Adam Fox are college guys. And, um, you know, obviously still seeing some great, great players coming out of major junior. So, yeah, really exciting time to be a, a hockey fan. And, you know, I think uh, to see the success that, you know, the college players have on the ice and major junior as well, but like um, is, is kind of heartening to know that, you know, most of the kids that if they do or don't make the NHL, they're going to be, uh, you know, doing pretty well. 92% of the men playing D1 hockey, graduate, which is always in the top kind of one, two, or three in, in the collegiate American sports for academic success. And inevitably, our, our women are always crushing it with like 98% pretty much always the top uh, on the women's side. So there's, uh, yeah, a lot of great hockey on the ice, a lot of great things to pick up off the ice. And, um, yeah, I think there will be some really exciting – I'm, I'm excited for Coronado, like remembering that time of – ending your hockey career uh, in college and, you know, obviously whether you've been there for a year or four years, like I was, that's, you know, some pretty, it's a crucible playing college hockey. You're living, um, you know, with the dining halls in class at the rink with each other. And so to end that uh, as one of the lower moments of your career, and then to be able to kind of, you know, sign that contract and go try to live your dream at the NHL level. It's a pretty special thing. And it's great to see those stories and, you know, I hope hopefully he's helping the Flames with this uh, this stretch run here. I know it's going to be tight, but my uh, my buddy Daryl Sutter can <laughs> get the boys going. I think we'll be okay. Um, Trevor Lewis and Tyler yeah. Toffoli, some good old uh, teammates of mine there too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got some. You still got some connections here around Calgary for sure, Kev. Um, I wanted to ask you one more about the college game and maybe the. Uh, the collaboration effort that comes between the NCAA level and the NHL in in developing these prospects and maybe how you see that growing over the next couple of years and how important that is for these young guys who want to take that next step and, and take the NCAA route to potentially playing pro hockey as a career. Yeah, and uh, like our, you know, we're the, the role and group that I've got here at the league, which is really lurk, lo- looking for opportunities to kind of just improve player safety, player experience on the hockey side, as you're kind of mentioning, and then really using our mutual footprints again, be it the AHL or college hockey or the CHL leagues, like to grow the game, get better access and exposure to um, to our sport, 
you know, uh, I'd say you probably agree with me that it's the best sport on earth, and God willing, we can uh, help expose more people to it. For college, we're trying to provide more opportunities, get more schools that offer D1 uh, uh, hockey at their at their college and uh, or university, um, and that's uh, really just trying to basically give more heroes for little boys and girls in, in the local community, but obviously more opportunities for the men and women that are, you know, pursuing it's a pursuing our sport at a high level because, uh, you know, I'm sure you see it around Calgary and there's tons of great hockey players out there and God willing, we can uh, give them as long of opportunity as we possibly can to make sure that they give it the best shot and have a great experience. Uh, chatting with former Calgary Flame and now NHL VP, uh, of hockey development, Kevin Westgarth with us this afternoon. Uh, curious, I know it's part of the job for you, but how excited do you get uh, this time of year for college hockey and uh, with the Frozen Four coming up this week? Does it still get you the goosebumps? You're still excited to to watch these games when they come up? It is, yeah, for sure. It's it's, and I mean, kicking it off, you know, a few weeks ago, it's it's definitely that playoff, that playoff vibe, that playoff season. The the women's D one uh, finished. Finish their tournament up. Uh, obviously, uh, you know we got major junior playoffs all kicking up. The USHL playoffs now Frozen Four, which is a nice uh, big exclamation point. It's just a great time to be a hockey fan. Obviously, the NHL and kind of uh, other pro leagues ramping up to uh, get their playoffs going. A lot of fun storylines uh, at the Frozen Four. It should be uh, a great time. Some kind of old guard, historic big powers in Minnesota and Michigan in Boston University and kind of a newer upstart powerhouse in Quinnipiac. So it really is uh, going to be a great, uh, great weekend of games. And uh, I look forward to getting down to Tampa for numerous reasons, but that's definitely one of them to see some great hockey. <laughs> yeah. Could be, could be worse places for the frozen four to take place. And then, uh, then Tampa Bay, Florida for a couple of days. Hey, Kev. I I always kind of chuckle that, you know, you get a, a breadth of opinion. Some people are like, ah, it's not hockey or down south. It's like, well, most hockey people are ready for a, a nice Florida event come February, March, and April. So, yeah, and, you know, obviously the success that the Lightning have had is, is, is really keyed something there in that that, uh, that market. So it, it's going to be a great, great, uh, great event and look forward to a lot of great uh, hockey times. Uh, you mentioned it a couple times, Kev, going back to your time in Calgary. You've got a couple connections here. Uh, still, it was your last NHL stop in your career in 2013-14. How do you look back on uh, your time in the NHL and how it finished out with the Calgary Flames, man? I mean, I was thrilled. We I came at sort of a transitional time post uh, post uh, Iggy, post Jerome McGinley. And, you know, we had a good group of guys and uh, – lunch bucket guys so that it was it was amazing to play in canada i was probably playing the best hockey in my life and um you know we were just a bunch of blue collar guys going out and trying to get the work done in whatever way we could so the love from you know our good canadian fans was awesome so as a canadian kid it was an amazing place to be and you know we didn't make the playoffs that year but felt like we had kind of reset the the flames a little bit and uh yeah, you know, obviously things have gone pretty well, and we're hoping for a nice little, uh, nice little run here to close the season and make those playoffs. Uh, you you never know. You're right. Uh, you are part of one of uh, the most famous moments in Calgary Flames history, of course, and that's uh, a line brawl that took place against the Vancouver Canucks. How many times do you get asked about that on, say, like a yearly basis, Kevin? Is it still something that people bring up to you? Because I know 
It's a thing that comes up all the time here in Calgary. Uh, the thought process of John Tortorella screaming at the bench. Uh, you've got big Brian McGratton and Tom Sestino, yeah. these huge heavyweights. And uh, just what do you remember about that whole night and that, that crazy process that went down in Vancouver? Yeah, it was great. It definitely still comes up a handful of times. I usually get, you know, a Google alert sent to me from my mom or dad on the <laughs> on the annual anniversary. I think we're kind of up on 10 years next year yep. from our Hockey Day in Canada um, event, <laughs> I suppose. Um, and, yeah, it was it was like obviously kind of crazy. We were all, as I said, just kind of trying to help out the team. And, and it was amazing to see how it made, like, each team lost four players for the rest of the game, so that put that onus on the rest of the guys. So there was this real gelling uh, vibe. It was, um, yeah, pretty cool. Ended up going to OT. I think we ended up losing, unfortunately. But uh, you could just change, feel a kind of a shift in the team after that. It was like everybody had put it on the line, be it you know playing extra minutes, putting themselves in a tilt or whatever it might be. So it was a very cool, cool experience. And, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, yeah, like you said, it's a moment people keep talking about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, talk to me about Daryl Sutter. A short time ago, he was your head coach when you were part of the uh, Los Angeles Kings organization. He's back uh, in Calgary, coming off a really successful year last year with the team and uh, a little bit of ups and downs. What's it like going through a season with Daryl Sutter as your head coach? A lot of people wonder if, if he can wear on players a lot, if it's a, a tough guy to be a, a coach under. How do you feel about Daryl Sutter as a head coach when you had him? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, certainly for our purposes, things went pretty well. There were some ups and downs, but he came on about halfway through the season. We ended up uh, winning the cup as an eight seed. As I said, anything can happen. Yeah. Um, so mostly, like, great memories. I I, I personally love Daryl. We got along phenomenally well and like I think I'll say about Daryl generally he gets hockey and he gets people and uh you know I I, I think it does uh, it does take a great room to uh, kind of make it all work perfectly but you know I, I think if anybody can get some some fires lit for these last uh what are we under 10 10 days or so yep. I think Daryl Daryl's the guy to do it so we'll you know I got my fingers crossed and Hopefully see some good W's coming up here soon. Uh, and your two teammates, you mentioned uh, Tyler Toffoli. He's having a career year here in Calgary. Uh, and Trevor Lewis, still a, a huge contributor to this team. I, I love what Trev brings to the ice every night watching from the press box. He's just such a hardworking, uh, important guy. Always makes the, the right play. What are your uh, memories of those two guys and how cool is it to see them uh, still kicking it around in the NHL? I mean, amazing. Like Louis, who I got to play with a lot more. Like it, it is, there is nothing better than yeah. I mean, I would have met him 15 years ago. I think we were both trying to get our careers going in the minors, and like to to see the career that he's put together is just awesome. Like just a solid, dependable guy who's gonna you know chip in here and there, but be a great penalty killer, great locker room guy, great, great like uh, part of that leadership unit. So awesome to see him and. Old tight tops, putting the puck in the net, which is awesome to see. Just a great, solid player. Um, and, yeah, just thrilled for him to see how things are going. So, you know, as I said, there's uh, some great pieces there. And hopefully uh, look forward to seeing them firing all cylinders for this last stretch and uh, into the playoffs. Uh, before I let you go, Kevin, appreciate the time this afternoon. Give me a prediction for uh, how the final four walks out. Do you have a winner in mind for uh, who comes out on top Saturday? 
Oh boy. <laughs> you know, I will uh I'll throw out I think we got just the the Michigan Minnesota final, which I think would be a lot of fun if you got BU in there either would be pretty nice. So like really Eddie <laughs> I'm hedging obviously, <laughs> but any of these four teams are <laughs> meeting in the final are going to be uh going to be something to something to see, but uh you know, some of those players on Michigan, I think, have a lot to prove, and I think we might see that come to fruition. So, you know, just personally, let's say the Wolverines will get it. I know uh, I know the, a lot of the alums there, so hopefully that keeps me on their good side. And no offense <laughs> to anybody else, it's a, it's a wide-open game. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks so much for the time today, Kevin. Really do appreciate it. Uh, we always get a ton of people, not only on that uh, that brawl you had, but just uh, good memories of your time here in Calgary. So I uh, appreciate you doing this today, man. We'll chat with you again sometime soon, hey? Can't wait. That'd be great. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, check it out. Uh, starting Thursday, we got uh, some great college hockey action. We'll do, man. Thanks, Kevin. Best of luck down the, down, the, down the line here. Yeah, talk soon. Appreciate it. Kevin Westgarth. Uh, former uh, Calgary Flame NHL alum uh, joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, uh, now working with the NHL as a VP of Hockey Development and working on strategic collaboration uh, with the NCAA in their Final Four, which kicks off on Thursday at Emily Arena in Tampa, Florida. The national championship game goes Saturday, April 8th. It all starts off uh, with the semifinals. Number one Minnesota taking on Boston University, and then uh, the late game on Thursday, Quinnipiac taking on number three, Michigan, and top NHL prospect, Adam Fantilli. Should be a great one. Really appreciate Kevin for uh, joining us there. Some memories uh, of his time in Calgary. He's got some teammates, obviously, from his time in the LA Kings organization. He's still cheering for uh, the group here. And, uh, yeah, some memories, which will be 10 years ago uh, in uh, January, I want to say it was, this coming January, so we're still a while away. But, yeah, the 10-year anniversary of the massive line brawl that uh, he was a part of with the Calgary Flames against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, really appreciate Kevin taking some time to join us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We're kicking off Hour 2. Uh, more Calgary Flames discussion. The goaltenders back in the spotlight ahead of their game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Who gets the start on Tuesday? Who goes against the Jets on Wednesday? We'll chat about that next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.